comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. What has happened to my son? Come and lie with me, Joseph. going on in Joseph's world. It's a pretty good movie, it looks like, doesn't it? This is a story of many things. Jealousy, betrayal, captivity, temptation, perseverance, forgiveness. Remember those words. You're going to hear them again soon. But Joseph is also a man of many titles. Some of these titles were given to him by his father. He said he was his favorite son. Some of these titles are given to him by his brother, Troublemaker. Uh, was one of them. <clears throat> Some of these titles are given to him by the, the Midianites, slave, and the Egyptians. You know, Joseph is a lot like us. He, he lived in a world where everyone had a title of some kind. He was a young man who had his own dreams of what his life would be like, but we're going to get to that in a minute as well. But we get into Joseph's story. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that as, as we open your word, We'll open our eyes, we'll open our hearts, we'll see the parallels, Joseph's story, and in our own, but most of all, we'll see uh, what you would have us do as we come out of this place today, and how you would have us live. We thank you for the example of Joseph, for uh, the things he did that, that honored you, even when people around him were doing less than average things. I pray that we can be like that. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> At 15 years old, Randy Frazee, who is one of the gentlemen that helped put this story together um, and in this campaign that we're doing, uh, he committed himself to being a pastor at 15 years old. And after getting married, he planned on his education. He was working his plan for education, and his daughter was born. Randy had to work part-time, and he had to go to seminary school part-time. He says that at times he felt like his plan was ruined. But the church where he was working as a part-time staff needed a full-time pastor, and the search committee asked Randy to become that pastor. And Randy said, I started where I thought I was going to end. Randy's experience illustrates that in the Bible there are two storylines. And we've been talking about that this year already. There's the upper story which is God's story, where God fulfills his purpose. And there's the lower story. It's, it's where all of us human characters are. The, the story that is us, with all the complexities and all the details of daily life. God calls us to, to capture the upper story and its effects on our lives. And I think the story of Joseph is a pretty clear example of how that happens, an intertwining of, of the two storylines, if you will. You see, Joseph was... 17 years old. He was the favorite, like I said. Uh, there's one of his titles, by the way. He was the favorite of his father, Jacob, and everyone knew it. It was no secret. Even his brothers knew it, and, and Jacob didn't have a problem with the fact that everybody knew that, he was, that, that Joseph was his favorite. He even gave him a special coat, and, and you see where this jealousy, uh, wherever it had begun, how it, how it would begin to grow at the point of this gift. His brothers were going to kill Joseph, 
You saw that in the video clip. Um, one day, uh, when, when his father sent him out to check on them, you know, Joseph had these dreams about his brothers. He had these dreams that his brothers and his parents were going to bow down to him. Hey, he wasn't the most humble of teenagers. He, he told those dreams to his family. I kind of pictured that he was more bragging than telling. It wasn't like, yeah, I had this dream. It was, hey, I had a dream. <laughs> you're going to bow down to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the youngest, but you're still, you're going to bow down. Mom and dad are going to bow down. It was great. We know how that would go in our families, don't we? His brothers were going to kill him. His dad sent him out one day to check on them to see how they were doing. And, and as they saw him coming, they even said to one another, here comes that dreamer, that troublemaker. Let's kill him. But instead, because they were so humane, they ended up selling him into slavery. You see how their jealousy turned into betrayal? And, and it wasn't just a, a betrayal of Joseph, but they betrayed their own father with this horrible lie. You're going to read about this this week as you read the story Bible. And as you go into your story groups this week, you're going to read about this whole story. And it's several chapters in Genesis. And I'm going to kind of condense it down to a few key points and share them with you. But let me just tell you, as we get started, you can't make this stuff up. This happens. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. And then they go home with his coat dipped in blood. And they tell his dad, Jacob, they tell Jacob, his father, that he was killed, must have been killed by a ferocious animal. Parents, can you imagine that? Like, just the thought of, of losing a child is, is bad enough. But, but when all of your other kids come back and go, Hey, good news, we found Joseph's coat. Bad news, it's covered in blood. And we're pretty sure something just devoured him. They never waver from that story. In, now, on one hand, you may, you may want to justify what the brothers have done here. Hey, at least they didn't kill him. They, they could have just left him in the well to die a slow death from, from starving. Or they could have just killed him outright. But hey, at least they didn't do that. They gave him a fighting chance by selling him into slavery. That was better than killing him, right? It, maybe. These things may sound like good points, but the problem is with justifying our actions, when we do that, like the brothers of Joseph, we can still break our father's heart. You see, it's those lies. In, in case you, you missed it, when I say that we break our father's heart, I mean God's because in my experience, we're all in the, in the business sometimes of justif- justifying our actions. We're, we, we know we did something stupid, but then there's a yeah, but. Well, yeah, I, I may have done that, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Or, or it was just a small, small lie. These guys, all of his brothers agreed to the lie, and they never wavered from it. They justified their action. Now, we're going to break our earthly parents' hearts when we do stupid stuff like that. But you're going to see this week, Jacob lives his life with a piece of him missing. And the fact that none of his brothers ever wavered from that story just baffles me. So his brothers, they sell him to slavery. They sell him to the Ishmaelites who are traveling through the area. They're headed to Egypt and they sell him for 20 shekels of silver. And these Ishmaelites take him to Egypt. And in Egypt, he's sold yet again. He is bought by a man named Potiphar. And if you look at your story Bible at the top of page 31, this is where our story is going to start. This is where we're going to pick up in this narration. Now, if you're just following along in your own Bible, uh, we're looking at Genesis chapter 39, starting with verse 1. Story Bible, page 31, top of the page. Uh, Your Bible, if you don't have a story Bible yet, Genesis 39, verse 1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. 
Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. <clears throat> and we're going to skip down just a little bit. It says, with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, Joseph, now, now, I'm going to stop right there for a second. This is good for Joseph, okay? No matter how you look at it, this is good for him because he has come a long way. He, he came from the, maybe what you might call a lazy daydreamer to a hardworking organizer guy. He has, he has stepped in to this role. He, he has, he has, He's maybe taken ownership of it, but he says that, that Potiphar saw that everything Joseph did was good, and he saw that he was blessed by God. He put him in charge of everything. So he goes from, from dreamer to, to heart to, to working organizer guy. This whole sold into slavery thing may be working out pretty good for Joseph. Um, but then something else happens. Enter temptation. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph but he's strong in the Lord. He says, no, we're going to pick up with this part of the story. It's going to skip down just a little bit. And uh, the Bible says, now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or to even be with her. That is just crazy. You talk about temptation. Look, I don't know what all of you are tempted by, but we need to know and we need to start acting more like Joseph in those times. In our lives, when we become tempted, we need to be like Joseph and just straight up refuse to give in to temptation. This, this story that didn't happen just one time. Potiphar's wife didn't just approach him one time. All right, so it's, it's not like, hey, Joe, come here. And he was like, no, no, daily. She was trying to entice him daily. We need to act like Joseph. He just straight up refused to give in to temptation. One of the reasons that God continues to find favor in Joseph is because, in my opinion, no matter what the situation Joseph is in, he finds himself where he's at he chooses to honor god no matter what everybody else around him is doing he's sold into slavery the bible doesn't talk about him fighting with his new owners the bible doesn't talk about him trying to do evil things to potiphar the bible says he worked hard and then the potiphar realized that and put him in charge of his whole house even where he could he could have an opportunity for revenge here and take advantage of potiphar's wife and, and truthfully she would have probably never said anything had she gotten what she wanted but he was like no how he he, he says um, how can I dishonor God? We keep reading. One day he went to the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household now none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, "Come to bed with me." But he left the cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. That's what we should do when we're tempted: leave it and run out of the house, or whatever the situation may be. When she saw that she had, that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. She calls her servants, and, and she says to them, she falsely accuses Joseph of raping her, of assaulting her. 
And Joseph is sent to prison. Now, that's roughly, he, he was in prison for roughly two years. And um, this wasn't a nice prison like we have today, where there was comfort and stuff like that. This was, a, this was a rough and nasty place. But God blessed Joseph even in prison. This is where we enter into that time of, of perseverance. Joseph is in prison, and again, in prison, in this, in this dark, nasty place of punishment, he rises to the top. He ends up being put in charge of all the other prisoners. And, and while he's in prison, he gets a reputation for also correctly interpreting dreams. It, do you see the recurring theme in Joseph's life here? The Lord was with Joseph. It continually repeats through this whole story. You know why? Because Joseph was continually with the Lord. You think God has left you. The question is not, has God left you? But it's, have you left God? I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what your temptation is. I don't know what you think you need in life. But God has not left you. God is still just and God is still God. We see it in Joseph's life right here. Joseph's story. Because Joseph was continually with the Lord. He was in a foreign land. He, he didn't know these people that well when it all started. But he still chose to do the right thing and he ended up in prison. When faced with issues and challenges, he didn't look after his own desires. He looked to honor God and do what God would have him do. Not sin against God no matter what everybody else around him did. I'm not going to lie, when I put myself in Joseph's shoes, I'm not sure how I would have reacted to that. I mean, your family sells you as a slave. Okay, maybe I can get over that. I mean, he's seeing the world, he's traveling, he's seeing new places. Um, It doesn't say that anybody mistreated him. And then you're bought by an Egyptian. They see you have favor from God. So so he puts you in charge of his whole house, and you're working hard, you're taking care of things, and you even resist the temptation of being with this man's wife. By saying to her I would, that you wouldn't sin against God. Right, right here, Joseph is doing like a little street preaching right here. He's doing a little evangelism. He's like, hey, hey, I know you don't believe in my God, but I'm not going to sin against my God. Your gods may even allow this kind of activity, but my God doesn't. And I'm not going to sin against him in that way. And, and even in that, he's falsely accused of doing something he didn't do and he's put into prison. I don't know how I could handle those ups and downs. I thought my family put the, the fun and dysfunctional sometimes, but man, Joseph's on a roller coaster here. He, he gets thrown in prison for honoring God. Have you ever been thrown in prison for honoring God? You ever been putting time out somehow for honoring God? No. Joseph is thrown in prison because he honors God. And you know what? He's not in prison going, thanks a lot, God. He's in prison honoring God even more. I don't know if I'd have the strength to do that. I don't know if you would have the strength to do that. It's easy to what if that story. Well, if I was Joseph, I would have been all right. I don't know. You know what I like about Joseph, though? He never worried himself with what other people thought about him. I think Joseph was the first person to put the quote on Facebook that said, lions don't concern themselves with the thoughts of sheep. Maybe he didn't put it on Facebook, but you get it. He was committed to God. He wasn't concerned about what his brothers thought about him. He wasn't concerned about what Potiphar thought about him. He wasn't concerned about what other people in prison thought about him. He was concerned about what God thought about him. So he wasn't concerned with their thoughts. He didn't care what they thought about him. He didn't care what they said about him. He didn't let their titles define him regardless of what they called him. He's called so many things in this story. He's called dreamer, a a rapist, a prisoner. And then in the story that only God could write, the prisoner is promoted to deputy Pharaoh. How awesome is that? Talk about from one extreme to the other. Here, here's what happens here. Pharaoh's having trouble. He's having these dreams. And none of his wise men or his magicians can interpret his dreams for him. 
And Joseph just happened to correctly interpret a few dreams when he was in the big house. And uh, one of Pharaoh's servants that Joseph interpreted a dream for remembers Joseph. And he tells Pharaoh about Joseph. So Joseph is called to Pharaoh and he correctly interprets Pharaoh's dream. And then he offers Pharaoh counsel about his dream. So that Pharaoh t- can, can prepare for the fulfillment of his dreams. The first dream was, uh, the interpretation of it is, that Egypt will have seven years of bountiful harvest. And the second dream was that Egypt will have seven years of famine. And Pharaoh is so impressed by Joseph's ability to interpret the dreams that Joseph is then put in charge of all of Egypt to manage the seven years of bountiful harvest and then to help maintain quality of life and survival during the seven years of famine. I got to thinking about this. I don't know if there's any preppers out there. But I, I watched the prepper TV shows, and it's like, you know what? Joseph was one of the first preppers. It's already been done. He was the first. He was one of the first, right up there with Noah. Noah was probably the original prepper because, you know, he built the ark. He was preparing, you know. And then Joseph comes in. Seven years, Joseph is preparing for this harvest or for the famine that's going to come. So there truly is nothing new under the sun. Joseph's already done it. But it's during these seven years of famine that the upper story and the lower story, they come together for a moment. Joseph is reunited with his family. He forgives his brothers. Genesis chapter 42 through 50 says a lot. The neat thing is that Joseph's brothers, they come to Egypt and they do bow down to him just like in his dream. But, you know, Joseph, is, he's, he's now around 40 years old and, and he's learned a little bit. He's grown a little bit. I'd like to think he's learned a little bit of humility. Uh, and as his brothers are bowing before him, asking for food, what he doesn't do. He doesn't mock them and make fun of them. He toys with them just a little bit. I'm not going to lie, which I think is kind of unique. But he's very patient with them as well because he gives them food and he sends them home and he says, you come back with the rest of your family. Let me verify your story. Um, But he doesn't take out revenge on them. This is the guy who who is second in command of all of Egypt. According to their laws and their, their rules and all that, he is the, the rising and the setting sun. He could say anything, and without question, it would happen. Like he could have just said to, about his, old, his oldest brother, hey, have his hand cut off just because he was the one that handed me over. I mean, he could have done all kinds of things, and he doesn't. And the reason he doesn't is because, once again, we see that Joseph is captured by the upper story where God is working his purpose within the ups and downs of Joseph's life. Look in your story Bible to page 39. Um, and uh, it's about half, right about after the first paragraph. If you're in your regular Bible, we've jumped up to Genesis 45, verses 3 through 8. But Genesis chapter 45, or on the Storybook Bible, page 39. And this is, this is God at work, okay? Listen to what this says. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of Egypt. Wow. God was at work in this new nation. And God is going to reveal himself through it. God made provision through Joseph to sustain the new nation during this famine. 
And even when Joseph's father Jacob passed away at the young age of 147 and his brothers come back and lie to him once again, his brothers come and they tell him that on his deathbed, the last thing their father said was asking Joseph to forgive his brothers and to forgive their sins against them. Their dad has died, the one they lied to about their brother dying and being killed by an animal, and they were scared. What are we going to do? Dad's not here to protect us. Joseph can still have something bad happen to us. So they come up with another lie. They say, listen to this. And this is the top of page 42, Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20. They tell him that their father said <clears throat> that, um, to forgive them. He never said that. But that's what they tell him. So Joseph says this to him. He says, don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. Excuse me. He said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. Listen, he speaks kindly to them? They, they sold him as a slave. They, they did this stuff. He speaks kindly to the ones who labeled him. Troublemaker, dreamer, who, who, who called him spoiled when he got the coat. They sold him as a slave. Think about this. Joseph and his brothers, and, and they did all this harm to him. And, and really, you could, you could say every bad thing that happened to Joseph, he could track back to that day that they decided to sell him as a slave. Because let's face it, he had it made. The role was reversed. He was the youngest brother being treated like the oldest, being given all the attention, being given all this good stuff. But in all of this, in everything that took place, Joseph never forgot his name. I want you to think about that. Think about how his brothers wronged him. Think about all these ways that they sinned against God and against their family and all the things that it caused in Joseph's life because it was not an easy life. I want you to think about those things. The praise team is going to sing a song. It's called Remind Me Who I Am. And it's by Jason Gray. And, And that's what... It just kind of resonates with me. Joseph never forgot his name. He never forgot who he was. Listen to this.
again who I am to you. Joseph never forgot that. We can learn a lot from Joseph, uh, uh, how we should be humble maybe, how we shouldn't brag about stuff and make others hate us because of our blessing. That's what he did with his dream. But more than that, he had this amazing ability to refuse to allow people to label him or to be labeled as anything other than God's beloved. That's who he was. That's who you are to God. That when it comes right down to it, Joseph was God's agent to save the new nation by bringing the new nation to Egypt and preserving the lineage of Jesus. You see, the Israelites in Egypt were shepherds, and Egyptians considered shepherding an abomination. So guess what? In Egypt, there was no, no worry about intermarriage to dilute the new nation. And why is that a big deal? Because back in Genesis chapter 38, when they went into the land of Canaan, intermarriage was a threat. And it threatened to mess up the line of Jesus, where he came from. But within Egypt, the Israelites grew to a great nation. From this movement, they grew to be over a million people. When you think about Joseph's life, he had 21 years of hard life. Those first 21 years were probably pretty rough, being sold into slavery and and the things that we talked about today. But he had 71 years of a blessed life. 71 years of, of providing. He brought people... Millions of people through a famine. He got to see amazing things. How about you? I don't know how your life started out, Joseph. I don't know what, what labels your family and your friends may have given you or what labels our world has given you. Maybe some of the words that flashed up on the screen a little bit ago are some sort of a reflection of you or you think they're some sort of a reflection or an indicator of who you are. I don't know what temptations have imprisoned you or how your past has come back to haunt you, Joseph. But I know this, Joseph was God's agent for change. He honored God and God used him to preserve a whole community that he called the nation of Israel. As we come to our response time this morning, will you consider how you can honor God with your response? Maybe that's baptism for you today or or at least coming forward and saying, you know what, I want to know more about the God who would write such an amazing story. Maybe you need to break out of the prison that your temptations have put you in, Christian. And you need to begin to serve God first and honoring Him in your life again. No longer letting the world and your mistakes label you and define you, but shake that off and renew your commitment to be the agent of God that you were intended to be. You know the word Christian means set apart. We are to be ambassadors for Christ here on earth. Sometimes I think we forget that. And I want to remind you of who you are today. And maybe you want to partner with us at Huntsville Christian Church as we become more involved, as we impact our community around us by living out the story. Whatever your response is today, will you please stand and sing with us and show God that you're willing to honor him no matter what. It's been great to worship with you all today, but now it's time to go.
It's time to go and share what we've learned with people that we will connect with this week. As you go, know that our God is at work in the midst of the details of our lives every day. And if we make ourselves available to him like Joseph did, we will be the hands and feet that are accomplishing his good purpose here on earth and in our community. As we look to Joseph's story today, it's comforting for me knowing that God's storyline is unfolding even during bleak and confusing times. Because sometimes when we look at what's going on around us, we think, are you serious? But I guarantee you, like I said earlier, nothing new under the sun. What we're experiencing currently in our families, in our schools, in our lives, in our world, it's already, it's already happened somewhere. You'll see it as the story unfolds. This knowledge, though, knowing that, that even during bleak and confusing times, God's storyline is unfolding. This knowledge allows us to live freely, being able to forgive those who sin against us. And that's one of the most important things as we live out the story is forgiveness. Being ready to choose to honor God when he tests us in order to build our faith in him and a stronger character in us. So as you go this week, don't just read the story, live the story. Have a great week.